Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, April the 13th, 2022. The 13th has a connotation to being unlucky, but only when it falls on a Friday. So we're two days shy of that. Means we're safe. And we are lucky instead of unlucky today because we have a great guest, Charles Mayfield. He's a regenerative farmer. We're going to talk a little bit about regenerative farming, but we're really going to talk more about skin care and a value-added product that his farm produces, uh, which is called Faro Skin Care, and it's based on pastured pork lard. And that might sound a little bit funny, but when you hear Charles explain the product, how it works, and, and why this is actually what humanity did for the vast portions of our existence, it'll make a hell of a lot more sense. We have a great discussion for you in just a moment. Before we do, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is JM Bullion. You know, I am big on, on cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin and then everything else is a distant second and third and some of it's crap. But um, I'm also still big on precious metals. I have never been, well, I believe in gold, or I believe in silver, or I believe in silver and gold, not cryptocurrency. I believe in Bitcoin, not silver and gold. I believe in true diversity, and I've been recommending a wealth allocation of about 5% of your net wealth in precious metals since 08 when I started this show. That's a long time ago, guys, man, a very long time ago. Next year will be 15 years. We're, we're already planning our 15-year anniversary party for next year. Um, and, and that recommendation has stayed constant at that 5% and up to 10%, but I'm more of the 5% mode. And the way, place you should get your precious metal is JM Bullion because first it costs less than it does at like Lear Capital or uh, Monex or Atmex or the more well-known silver and gold houses. The other reason is that I can talk directly to the president if I need to, uh, if there's a problem. We had one little customer service hiccup in the last like five years. It was very recent and instantly uh, Michael, who's the president over there, made sure that it got taken care of. And There's a lot, you know, in that that we can make sure that if there's a hiccup or a problem, it gets taken care of. When Lear Capital approached me about being a sponsor, I said, can I talk to your CEO or your president or somebody that's actually like director's level or above? And they're like, no. And I'm like, no. Uh, I like to do business on a, a verbal handshake across the Internet, and I like to do deal with decision makers. That's what you have with Jambillion. And because of that, I also got you guys a discount if you're MSB. And if you order uh, $200 bucks or more in silver or gold, which isn't hard to do, you end up getting free shipping as well. So there's just nowhere else I would go get my silver and gold today other than jambullion.com. Next up, bulk ammo, the other precious metal, copper jacketed lead. Uh, of course, we had the, sh the subway shooting in New York. Now there are calls and screeching for more gun control. Biden's going after ghost guns, which is just nonsensical virtue signaling. But what always dries up first, magazines and ammo. Long before the guns do, magazines and ammo are what dries up when people start worrying about gun confiscation and more regulations. So stock up on ammo. Now would be a good time. Bulk ammo, bulk ammo has all the ammo you're looking for in bulk with lightning-fast shipping and a discount for MSB members as well. Learn more at BulkAmmo.com. With that, let's jump on into it with our special guest, Charles Mayfield, a regenerative farmer and uh, 
an entrepreneur in the world of skincare. And we are live. Hi, folks. It is uh, interview day on a Wednesday. I have Charles Mayfield with me today. We're going to be talking about his regenerative farm, uh, quite a bit about the marvelous, wonderful pig, the pastured pig in particular, uh, regenerative farming. But we're also going to be talking about skincare. In fact, that's what we're going to spend the most amount of time on uh, because Charles has done a great deal with actually creating value-added product using pig lard for our skin, which might sound a little bit crazy at first, but I think you're going to find out today it's a really innovative and really awesome idea. And one of the ways that regenerative farmers are going to be able to actually make a profit is to think more and more about value-added product in addition to just straight product. So with that, hey, Charles, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, Jack. I've been a fan of yours for some time, so uh, happy to be here. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, let's start off with just like a like the elevator, you know, who are you question. Like, who is Charles, and how did you even get into the world of regenerative farming? Did you grow up farming, or uh, like many people in our community, did you kind of come from some total other walk of life and decide it's just a better way to live? Yeah, sure. It's a little bit of a hybrid. I, my family's uh, history is in the dairy business, uh, although by the time I was coming of age, uh, the family business had really turned more into a, a milk bottler versus a dairy farm. Uh, however, I you know grew up, we had my, my parents were kind enough to have a big garden and occasionally some goats and chickens and rabbits and uh, and peacocks, I would, uh, uh, advise your listeners to avoid peacocks at all costs, but uh, I'm anti peacock. <laughs> yeah, I'm anti peacock because of the noise they make. That's why. That's the only well, reason. And, and, and they poop everywhere. They're, they're everywhere. So, uh, no, I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. I, I started out of college in the financial services industry, uh, as a financial planner. Got exposed to, uh, sort of got into the fitness nutrition world, uh, uh, gosh, probably 15 years ago. Got a little into the CrossFit. I'm sure you've heard of that. Uh, met some really influential people in the nutrition world. Uh, Rob Wolf being, uh, Mark Sisson, some of these, uh, names you may have heard. Anyway, long story short, got through sort of the paleo community, uh, got exposed to regenerative ag and, uh, and really sort of sourcing sourcing uh, high quality food, you know, giving people the right to source their food, got involved with the Weston A. Price Foundation, uh, the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund. And, uh, you know, at some point just uh, I studied Joel Salatin and Polyface is sort of my de facto farming mentor. And, you know, you, you know this, you reach a point, it's like I'm not going to learn anything else from a book. So it's time to sound time to jump in with both feet. And, uh so that was 2016. Uh, I bought my first uh, set of uh, pigs and chickens, and uh, we have we have a small regenerative farm here in East Tennessee. I service about I don't know 30 to 50 customers, uh, mostly through food drops, and um, and so that's 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 really sort of the the, the background story. Uh, we can get into more detail about Faro and the skin creams and that whole roller coaster uh, as we get into it. Great. Well, I'm going to ask you the next question. It's going to look like I disappear for a second. Just roll. The dog opened the door, so the kid noises are going to come in if I don't shut the door. Anyway, can you kind of now talk about skin more uh, 
macro level before we get into the product itself. Like I was, in, it was interesting to me that I saw in your notes when you applied to be on the show that the, the skin is actually referred to as the second stomach. I found that really interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, happy to. So I, I mentioned earlier that sort of the paleo community, uh, my ex-wife and I published a number of, of paleo cookbooks, uh, starting back in 2012, uh, paleo comfort foods, but it was, uh, it was really that, uh, the paleo world that, um, that turned my eyes to additives and, um, and preservatives in food. And that's sort of the lens that I viewed the world from. And, uh, Yeah, back in 2019, I had a really horrific uh, sunburning uh, experience and uh, happened upon a, a, the medicine cabinet was empty. And so I happened upon a jar of lard. I do a lot of cooking uh, using the pastured lard from my pigs. And, uh, you know, it was one of those what the hell moments. You know, I'm bur burned to a crisp. And so I lathered up. And the, the point being is um, I, I saw tremendous results from 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 this. And so took my paleo uh, nutrition lens, you know, that I viewed the world through and, and sort of tunnel visioned. And I started shining that lens on skincare. And, uh, you know, you you don't know what you don't know, but, you know, come to find out, my God, you know, the, so our skin is our second stomach. We absorb uh, and, and metabolize a lot of nutrients uh, via the sun, but also just uh, exposure to various things. Obviously, everyone's familiar with uh, poison ivy. Uh, you know, we've had a, an exposure to an oil or a something or other uh, from nature, and that's worked out not so well. But uh, anyway, I started, man, I started looking into what they, what the FDA allows in our skincare. And, uh, it, it's abhorrent, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than what they allow in our food, which you and I both know is, is, is pretty tragic in and of itself. And so this, the idea of the second stomach, uh, is it, it's twofold. One is our skin is, is semi permeable. So it, it does absorb things. But the scarier part is, uh, you know, if, if we eat something, it, uh, it, it, it goes through this, you know, very, uh, Uh, long process, highly acidic, break it down. You know, it's just because people don't understand this. This is more on the nutrition front. But you know this, Jack, just because something goes in my mouth doesn't mean it ends up getting in my body. Right. It, it just because it goes in doesn't mean it gets in uh, with the skin. That's not the, that the case. If it if it soaks into the skin, it's here to stay. And so. uh So, yeah, just I started tinkering around with uh, recipes, usually utilizing animal fat. You know, which was the cornerstone of pretty much all cosmetics, creams, uh, elixirs, tinctures, salves, you know, you know, name the name, the descriptor for uh, skin treatment up until, you know, the turn of the, I guess, the turn of the 20th century. And uh, lo and behold, this stuff works unbelievably well at, at feeding and curing and or I don't curing healing. Uh, got to be careful what words you use feeding. I'm just going to say nourishing skin. Uh, animal fat is we're an animal. So animal fat works very well. Really interesting. There's a, a few things I kind of pick up on there when you're, when you were talking about that. And, uh, one is the idea of things getting absorbed by our skin and how that goes into our bodies directly. It goes into our bloodstream. We have billions of little capillaries all through our, our skin. That's why it doesn't die and fall off and rot, right? It has to be kept alive. 
And so we're actually taking in things that get on our skin directly into the bloodstream where, like you said, going to the digestive tract, you, you have, you know, it's not necessarily good to be going out and eating raw fugu, uh, blowfish and poisoning yourself that you can do that internally, but you have a much more, I guess it's more, think of it almost like taking a pill versus getting an injection of a medication, right? You're going straight into the blood. And what it makes me think of to kind of drive the point home is, We've had some issues with people getting really sick and even dying due to like resold or low end textiles where they end up uh, one way or another soaked with like pesticides. Like I remember that happening a few years ago. So guy puts on a pair of jeans that had some residual pesticide in it for whatever reason, because some dummy stored it in a warehouse with pesticide or something. And next thing you know, the guy's in a hospital and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with him. Right. So if you think about it that way, that's just skin contact with a dried substance in material. So we absorb countless things through our skin all the time. And we also excrete through our skin. So the health of it seems to be incredibly important. The other thing was how, you know, you kind of came from the paleo side. And I've seen so much go toward uh, pastured beef farmers uh, pastured pork, poultry, people getting into uh, permaculture, doing their own stuff at home, whether they do it at a, you know, like a small scale regenerative farm, larger scale, like a Greg Judy sheep operation. You know, I've seen this across the board. It, it starts there and it, it starts, I think it, what it does, it makes people ask really basic questions that we are not supposed to ask anymore. Like, why am I eating this thing? Where is my food coming from? What is a proper human diet? And as soon as you do that, all of a sudden you're down this path. I think it's uh, so. I was, I was, a couple things. One is, uh, and we, and I like to relate things to to the listener as best I can. So we've all had those moments where we eat something that doesn't agree with us, right? Yep. And it comes it comes out the front door or the back door aggressively, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so yes. obviously that's a a fairly immediate like alarm system going, I wouldn't venture to that spot in the woods anymore without, you know, paying attention. And so uh, that, but that's the problem with the skin is especially when we get into all these preservatives and chemicals and parabens and we can get, we can get granular if you want to, but I mean, what this stuff does to dysregulate our hormones and irritate us, it, it, it's so, uh, it's so small and gradual. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple of, uh, uh, of situations where, you know, we've had a little bit more of an immediate, you're seeing a lot of stuff with the, uh, uh, the Monsanto settlements on Roundup in the last, uh, oh gosh, decade with some of these yard guys that have just had this constant exposure to, to glyphosate. But the, the point is with the stomach, we have a, a fairly sophisticated and immediate warning system that's like, ah, it's not so good for you. Uh, with the skin, not so much. Um, so that's that's one thing. And, and the other thing uh, you, you touched on, which is like, this is how I know I'm sort of onto something, is is uh, my experience from paleo. It's like, really, I should just eat this way, even though it's like intuitively natural. It's like, yeah, really, really, I should put animal fat on my skin. Um, <laughs> are you sure? And it's like, well, are do you know what you're putting on your skin now? Uh, the skincare world is dominated by, I like to say three things, water, because pretty much every skincare product is 75% water. Uh, so it's dominated by water. 
It's dominated by plant-based fats, which I'm not here bad-mouthing coconut oil or shea butter or any of those things. Hopefully it's not seed oils. We can, we can get into that later if you want to. But so lots of water, lots of seed oils and or plant-based fats, and then just chalk to the gills full of preservatives and chemicals. So that's, that's the marketplace. Uh, you know, what we've developed and you see some similar products to this in the marketplace. We're the first to do it with lard, but you know, a lot of tallow based products out there. Uh, we, we, it's full fat. So there's no water. You know, it's, it's shelf stable, but it does have an expiration date on it. Uh, but it's full animal fat, full fat skincare. And, uh, it's, it's unbelievable how effective it is. Uh, I would like to say it's effective. Obviously for what's in it, but also what's not in it. Not and, in and it. God almighty, man, the, 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 the chemicals and preservatives that they allow in our skincare, it is, it's scary stuff. Flamaldehyde, just as an example, is something that's allowed in our skincare. Yeah, I, when it comes to like keeping my skin from being dry or cracked or something like that, uh, preserving it in formaldehyde is not really what I'm going for there. Can you, Expand on that. What do you think the biggest problems there are in skincare? Because usually when somebody creates something totally new and different, they they do it because they see a problem with the existing solutions. Well, t- to be clear, it, we're speaking in generalization. So I'm going to make general statements about the general skincare market, which is water, preservatives, plant-based fats. Um, if there's a new, and I've done plenty of research, you know, you've got your beauty counters and you've got your, you know, you got all these different skincare, uh, purveyors, if you will. And, yeah. and, and I have to tell you, you know, Jack, it is, it is all marketing. It's all the same ingredients. It's all the same, uh, chemicals. It's all the same stuff. It's just different packaging, different marketing, different superstar pimping, you know, different products. It's all the same. Um, so it's really just an, it's a new take on marketing. Now they take it a step further. And this is what's so funny. I get this question all the time. It's like, well, how should I use your product? What, what, I just got an email yesterday. I have, I have three products. One of them is called face food and it's, it's designed, it's formulated for your neck up, you know, the face. And I got an email from someone that's like, well, can I use this as eye cream? And it's like, well, your eyes are part of your face. Yes. I understand the question though, because the, the skincare market has told us that we need a special cream for our lower eye and our upper eye and our earlobe and our lips and our nose. You know, they've fractionated the human body into it's, it's confusion coupled with, you know, sophisticated marketing designed to sell you more products, you know, uh, all the time. And, you know, I don't hate the player. I hate the game or whatever. However, I, you know, I get it. Smart stuff. But um, anyway, hope that answered your question. No, it makes a lot of sense. And like like you said, you're generalizing there. You're not saying that every skincare product on the market is full of multisyllabic chemicals that nobody knows what they are or what they do. But I think the most of them are. And I think if you see it advertised on TV, you know, by a former oh. member of the Friends cast or something. You can probably bet two things. One, the 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 chick worth fifty million dollars doesn't actually use a vino, and number two, you probably shouldn't either. That's that's, that's the way I'll take that. And I, that, to me, that's not even skincare. That's 
across the board, everything that goes on or in your body when it's advertised that way, you, you, you probably don't want it. Um, what's the history of skincare? How did we, how did we end up here? Like you said, like, okay, we need this cream for your upper eyelid, this for your lower eyelid, this for your nose, this other cream for your ass. You know, I mean, it, it really does seem that way. And I, to me, it's just, it is marketing. It's, it's the, it, totally different world, but it's the my pillow model, right? You sell everybody this styrofoam filled piece of crap pillow. And then oh, I have, I have towels. I have sheets. I, you know, or weather tech. You have these awesome floor mats and for weather tech. Yeah. They're actually pretty good. But uh, now we have a cup holder, a drink holder, a thing to stand on in your kitchen, right? Like it's just how many things can you shove back into the market? But, but how'd we get to that point? Man. Uh, well, I mean, if you want to go like, total origin story in terms of uh, manufacturing. Mean, well, I mean, just taking lard. So this is all we used to use uh, probably 150 years ago. And so you had the, at the turn of the century, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, you had the introduction of seed oils into uh, it, actually what I presumed was the food market for, for many years until I started this company, but it was really the candle and soap making market. Procter and Gamble, uh, early on in their, uh, post civil war sort of rise to prominence, um, figured out how to, how to detoxify and hydrogenate cottonseed oil. And so I don't remember who was who, but what, Procter or Gamble was a candle maker and the other one was a soap maker. And so they, they, uh, but they acquired a bunch of, of, uh, cotton mills in Texas to secure this supply side for a, for an alternative to lard and tallow, which, um, again, at the time was run out of Chicago. I think the lard and tallow lobby was run out of Chicago. Chicago was the pig capital of the, of the country. And, uh, so some price fixing there leads to them exploring this, that, and the other. Anyway, long story short, they start making a bunch of candles out of uh, cottonseed oil. Fantastic. Turn of the century, we figure out this electricity thing. All of a sudden, the candle market starts to wane. It's like, what are we going to do with uh, all this cottonseed oil uh, that, we've, that we've secured? And so, lo and behold, Crisco was born. Um, so, Crisco was born in the early 1900s, started to replace uh, lard as the preeminent cooking fat at the time. And it's, and it's just, just boiled over and, 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 moved over into um, into the cosmetic and and uh, skin skincare world um, you know ironically you didn't really talk about skincare much until the 60s and 70s uh, you know when you got into skin cancer you know this increased prevalence or scaring of skin cancer I, I, again I would say it's more due to the uh, seed oil consumption we've had uh, versus the uh, sun exposure but um, and then it's just marketing 101. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned the my pillow thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's vanity too. Like let's, let, let's not, let's not forget that this is beauty and vanity, which brings in a whole nother, um, uh, caveat, uh, marketing, uh, angle to, uh, to predominantly women. Uh, you're seeing more and more men getting into skincare now. Um, you know, I have a, a young son and a young daughter, and I, one, of, one of my motivations is I, I know what these chemicals and preservatives do to Ooh, yeah. do to kids. And so it's like, well, if we're gonna 
if we're going to put on a bu- an anti-bug spray or a sunscreen or a moisturizer or something, let's let's make sure it's not uh, not bad stuff. You know, Mike Mike V there in our chat is saying, wasn't Crisco originally used for industrial lubricants? As far as I know, it was. I I actually find it interesting. Like one of the the first marketing of Crisco when they decided, hey, let's tell people to eat this crap was that it was 100% plant-based and therefore digestible, as though <laughs> bacon fat is not digestible, right? Yeah. Because like, that's what yeah. we're talking about lard. We're talking about rendered pig fat, right? Like, So, like, all of a sudden, one of the most nutritious foods that mankind has been eating since man figured out how to make a rock big enough to kill a baby pig, right? That's about how long we've been eating pigs. It's not digestible anymore. Like it's the new pig. They have it, it makes me think of like the bullet advertisements and like you know American Hunter and all. They show this this jagged mushroom thing. Like the deer are walking around and like they need armor piercing bullets for flak jacket deer or something. Now like something drastically changed. And what changed was the marketing and public perception. And as far as I know, Mike's right that Crisco was an industrial lubricant and was probably being used for things like soaps and candles. And that's When you look at craft makers today, they generally use lard or some other form of animal fat making homemade soaps and handmade soaps and and candles. It's the industrial process that's gone away from that. It also just makes sense to me that that which would help your body would come from a body, right? Like people get upset because like a chicken gets a – you get a broken egg in the chicken house and the chickens eat the egg. That's great. Like that way the egg doesn't rot, stink, and attract flies plus everything you need to make a chicken – is in a chicken egg. So it's good for the chicken to eat the broken egg. And what I've seen this a direct application of this is that not so much rubbing it on my body, but when I went keto, I had a lot of skin issues. I had a lot of like rashes that would, they weren't there all the time, but like when I get really hot working, they would pop up almost like, almost like a low level poison ivy. And I had like my elbows, like I could sand boards with my elbows. Both of my elbows were like rough my heels were rough. They would crack. And not, without putting anything on it, just switching the diet to an animal fat-based diet, all that went away. So it stands the reason then if you were using it topically, it should have an effect as well. Like you said, it's your second stomach. It, it is indeed. I, so uh, the chickens eating the eggs, I have a funny aside for you and your listeners. I have about 45 layers uh, in my, in my flock right now. And, um, I don't like dirty eggs. I gather them and put them up every day. And so we do, we do our daily chores just to try to avoid dirty eggs. But this winter specifically, and I, I, the reason I say flock size is I would get occasionally would get two to three really dirty eggs a day in my, when I went to gather and I would literally just crack them and throw them on the ground. I completely avoided a winter molt with my flock doing that. Wow. That, yeah, that makes sense. And it's also like, I think if anything's going to eat seed, it probably should be birds other than humans. Right. But that's interesting because of too much uh, seed fats and nut fats and plant fats. Right. Um, One of the cautions you have to do with feeding black oil sunflower to chickens and other poultry, if you feed overfeed it, it can cause a premature or excessive molt. Mm-hmm. So animal fats stave off a molt. That's that's an interesting 
thing. And if you, then the other side of it is feathers are kind of the outer skin of the poultry. Yeah. Right? Like that's really what that's, that's actually really interesting. Um, before we move on to your product, is there any other things you want to talk about within skincare that are specifically toxic, things that really don't belong on our skin? Uh, well, I mean, most of the preservatives, I, I can speak generally, most of the preservatives are, um, are derivatives or, or byproducts of the petroleum industry. Uh, your parabens, um, if it's a couple of general rules of thumb, if it's got water in it, you know, looking at your labels, you'll be able to know right away. Does it have water in it? It'll be the first ingredient. Aqua, you know, agua, they, they come up with all sorts of fun names. So that's number one. Number two is, um, so if it has water, then it has preservatives. Uh, if it smells, then you get into these phthalates and some of these other, uh, uh, scent preserving, uh, uh, chemicals. Uh, again, this is all around, uh, basically all around preservatives and hormone dysregulation. They've got a bunch of different names. If you want to Google this stuff, I can tell you, uh, there are 11 prohibited chemicals in by the by the FDA in US skincare 11 by comparison the EU has over 1300 okay <laughs> right and so yeah. i i'm not here to tell you which ones which ones to look out for it's it's just like food jack you know if you look at the label and you can't pronounce two things if you look at the label and can't pronounce it you probably shouldn't eat it and if it doesn't spoil you probably shouldn't eat it. Well, I would say the same thing about your skincare. Um, it, you know, that's a, a nice little segue into Faro specific. We make every batch fresh. Uh, we don't, we don't inventory hardly anything. You can, I don't know if your viewers can see, but this is the shelves behind me. This is empty jars, you know, sort of pre-labeled, ready to go out the door. And when I get a, you know, a handful of orders, they, we make it. Uh, we use the scent, natural essential oils for our, for our scent. Um, which will dissipate, you know, over time they will, they will, uh, dissipate. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing to worry about with skincare is if you buy it at the store, there's a hundred percent guarantee it's not good for you in the long run. Again, you're not going to vomit something up. You're not going to, you know, uh, you're not going to get diarrhea from using your skincare. This is a long, slow, you know, uh, potential, uh, health risk to, to, to folks, but, but we're seeing that manifest, uh, in the world. And, and I see no more proof of that than the emails and texts I get every, every week with somebody with eczema or psoriasis or chelitis or diaper burn. Hell, I know it works on sunburn. I, I completely remedied a sunburn. That's what started my venture into looking at this. So, um, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that like, the skin is a primary vector for what you would call slow cumulative absorption of toxins, right? So, like, if you go out and you eat a can of tuna fish today, you're not going to die of mercury poisoning. But if you start eating tuna three, four times a day over time, that mercury is going to accumulate in your body. And I think this is part of the reason that Americans have been so easily basically weaned onto pharmaceuticals in, in a variety of ways because since we don't, eat a thing or get exposed to a thing and get sick. Like if you were to go out and uh, pick up a roadkill possum with maggots crawling in it and somehow you were starving enough, you ate that, you're going to get sick really fast. 
right? You're either going to vomit and or end up in the hospital or dead, right? Like you'll have an immediate response to it. But our food system is toxic and our, our environmental system is toxic uh, in, a, in a far more uh, seductive way. Like it's a slow process. I've said this about exercise. Like if you had a friend and like one day he didn't exercise and eat right and the next day he had a heart attack and died, And you said, well, what happened to Tom? He seemed like he was good. Oh, he skipped exercise and diet for one day and he died. You'd be on the ground doing push-ups and freaking eating, you know, the top quality food like you would. But since it takes decades maybe to kill Tom with cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes and kidney failure, that gives us the entry of the pharmaceutical and the topical, right? He's got eczema. We'll put this, this ointment on it and some pill that they advertise in Fox News. And it gets a little bit better. Then it gets worse. Well, something else must be wrong. Now we need another pharmaceutical. And it's either by design or it resulted in the design. So it depends on how malicious you think the people behind this are. I don't think it really matters if they designed it that way or they've capitalized on it. I think they know full well what they're doing at this point, And they have no interest in correcting it. Yeah, I think I think. I think both of those are true. I think they've probably accidentally happened upon a few things along the way that, uh, that, uh, they didn't expect when it came to what we're able to sell or talk people into. Uh, the ship is way past sailed in terms of, uh, whose best interests are at heart here. And it is not the consumer. Uh, I don't care if you're talking about skincare, food, monetary policy. I mean, the, uh, I, I've told a couple people in the last year and a half, I, <laughs> this red pill, blue pill, black pill, white pill thing. Uh, I didn't realize it, but about 15 years ago, I had my red pill and it was this whole move to, you know, paleo eating and, and, uh, you know, keto carnivore eat real food, you know, stuff yeah. that's, that that's going to spoil and that you can grow. And I never cast that lens onto the rest of the world until the last two years. And man, it's scary. It, it, it is amazing. And I, We're going to talk about your product here in a second because I, I'm I'm sold on the whole concept of it from diet alone has me sold on the on the concept because I look at a picture of me from 10 years ago. Not only was I fatter, I look older at 40 than I do at 50, except I have more gray hair now. But when I look at my skin and the health of my skin and the way that I look and wrinkles on my face and things, it looks like I had freaking surgery done. I promise you I did not. I'm not vain enough. And I don't hate money enough to go get cosmetic surgery due to, due to my vanity. If I had some serious injury or something and needed it, I, I, I'd see it. But, like, you know, I look old, so I'm going to go get uh, Botox or something. I'm not going to do that. And it, it is from diet. Um, and it, it, it is from animal fats. That's, that's the bulk of my caloric intake comes from animal fat now. But let's talk about your skin product. You, you call it Smart Lard. What, what, what is Smart Lard? Well, we're the uh, smart lard is a is a trademark term. Uh, I trademarked it when you're the first lard based skincare product on the market. Um, I wanted to protect the consumer. Okay, so what is smart lard? It is a security blanket uh, for the end user to know that that pig, which is providing the the lard and and the leaf lard, was raised in a way that's good for the environment, good for the pig. You know, a pastured pig model. Um, so it's it's That's what smart lard is. It is it, it represents a, a commitment to ecological uh, soundness, animal husbandry, 
uh, restoring the environment as opposed to degrading it. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm sort of the first to market, which was shocking to me when we, when we finally launched, uh, that no one else was doing this, which is kind of fun, right? I, I'm, I'm the pig guy. Um, you know, this, you've, you've been through plenty of exercises before, but I hired, you know, I got a team together to sort of figure out our brand and what we were going to do. And they're like, are you sure you want to like put the lard out there? And I'm like, yeah, hell yes. <laughs> um, in fact, our logo is going to be a damn pig. Um, but you know, that it, it, it certainly differentiates you in a market. You know, I also want to honor this animal. I've been a regenerative farmer now since 2016. They are hands down my favorite animal. Uh, they have such personality. They're smart. I, I love them. To, they're gregarious. You know, they think they're going to eat you, right? So they're always curious and want to, want to check you out. Um, and I've farrowed pigs. I've bought feeders. I've sort of been through the, when it comes to the farming aspect, I've sort of been through various uh, models on ter- in terms of pig production, but they're just they're just an amazing animal. I, I have a video on my on my website about me talking about pigs, and I, I didn't never intended for that video to make it to to the public. I was trying to calm down. We were shooting a bunch of video for a Kickstarter campaign I did a year and a half ago, and uh, I needed to calm down, right? So I was like, I told the videographer, I was like, listen, I'm just gonna rap for pig, you know, rap about pigs for a couple minutes. Just let me sort of get anyway, lo and behold, the damn thing ends up on my website. But, uh, you know, this is Pharaoh represents a way for me to first and foremost, provide a product that is incredibly safe for my kids, highly effective at nourishing and feeding skin, you know, like that's, that's great. Also honoring an animal that is, you know, unbelievably critical to to the colonization and, and expansion and growth of our country. I mean, again, people don't understand this very well, but a pig is there's so much fat, right? And, and I would say human humanity in general's expansion because I, throughout the world, the early explorers took pigs with them, and like a lot of islands and stuff that would become way over islands, they let them go because they knew the damn thing would survive, and when they came back, there'd be something to eat. Absolutely, and and. and a pig is unique in that in that it's an omnivore, right? So it can eat almost anything. It's not a it's not a herbivore, uh, so it's an omnivore. It's um, the subcutaneous fat on a pig. Again, once you add salt to a pig, hell, you can carry a ham for I've got eight nine hams hanging in a barn outside that have just been salted and smoked, right? And they, you know, I got two years, three years until I need to worry about whether or not they're going to go bad. Um, it, it, it's just, we're only what, 150 years or less removed from basically no refrigeration, no, no HVAC, no, no gas powered vehicles. I mean, we're, we're two old people removed from pigs being basically the number one food stuff on the planet. From we, salt pork coming in a barrel, feeding our country for over a hundred years. And I would say well over a hundred years, but when I say our country, I'm talking about from the revolutionary war forward, it was about a hundred year period from like right around early 1800 to 1900 where the average household at all times had salt pork. And when we think of salt pork today, we think of this little bacon looking thing they sell. I'm not talking about that. They would cut up an entire pig and cram it into a barrel full of salt and you would soak it and boil it and cook it. And it was 
One of the reasons it was so effective is, you know, everybody that's ever farmed knows it's quicker to bring a pig to market than a cow. But when you salt beef like that, it's edible, but it doesn't really ever go back to tasting like a normal piece of cooked beef. But salt pork properly processed, it's not going to be much different, assuming you're cooking it in the same style, something that's more like pork pot pie than uh, than grilled uh, ribs on the grill. It's soft. It goes back to that. Sailors lived on it. Like, it was the number one protein. Civil War, it was the number one way both sides fed their armies. It's, it is the animal that built America, and that sounds crazy unless you know history. And then it sounds perfectly acceptable. Well, and I, and I got to tell you, let me bring it forward, too. People, the technology, and when I say technology, okay, so technology related to farming, okay, when I say technology, I'm talking about uh, solar stored charge powered energizers. Okay. Highly, uh, highly electrified, lightweight poly fence that is portable, lightweight. I can take it anywhere. Okay. People don't, people think cell phones and, and smartphones and all that and computers when it comes to technology. And, and those are all great. When it comes to agriculture and our ability to, to contain animals, okay, in a, in a far off distant place without the threat of burning the forest down. I mean, when I mentioned I grew up with goats, well, I mean, we had a, we had an electric fence and, you know, they tell you never pee on electric fence. Well, those old fences, you certainly didn't pee on them because it was a constant charge fence, mm -hmm. right? Until a blade of grass would lay over against it. And it would eventually dry the grass out, light it on fire. Well, I mean, hell, that's a big deal. You don't want to burn. You don't want to burn the, the forest down. So, what I have witnessed myself uh, when you go to places like Polyface or White Oak Pastures down in South Georgia, or Greg Judy's place, or any of these amazing places, what what we're able to do in terms of land restoration and with pigs. Uh, due to these technological advances in today's world is absolutely fascinating. Um, I, again, not only are they my favorite animal, they are so impactful to the soil. You know, you got a, you got a hard spot on top of a hill you need to break up, bring in the pigs. Mm. Um, you know, the forest, people don't understand this, but forests want to take over, right? So if you've got a field with forested edges, you know, give it a hundred years, the, the field is gone, right? And so uh, I've got pigs, and we keep them right on the edge of the forest where they're just, they're tearing stuff up and turning soil over and just keeping the forest at bay. It's the most amazing cinematograph uh, or cinematic uh, ecological dance you've ever seen and this is a waste product uh, by for all intents and purposes it's a waste product i mean i'd love to be in a situation you know jack three or four years from now where it's hard for me to get my hands on pastured lard because so many people are now utilizing it for soap and and uh and you know creams and salves and i mean the list goes on everything was made out of animal fat 200 years ago all of it whatever you were doing 200 years ago Animal fat. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was everything. And it was, it was even like lubricants. It was, if you think about the fact that like, how did you light your home in the early 1800s in America? Whale oil. 
right? I mean, that was that's why men went to sea for six months and sometimes ended up having to eat their shipmates in a lifeboat, right? Because we needed to be able to have lighting and the number one source we had of lighting oil before kerosene and things like that was whale blubber. So we did. We used this for everything up to a point. Um, can you talk maybe a little bit more about what makes the pig such a, a great environmental benefit? There's there's a whole group of people that are, to me, they're just way out in left field with this environmentalism stuff. And I'm a huge environmentalist. I know you are as well. You don't do what you're doing and not care about the environment. But they have this like accusational mode that somehow livestock is the problem. And all I can do is think back to a time like before the white man came and messed up North America, which we did, honestly, especially with barbed wire. There were 50 million estimated, and that's an estimate of bison running around the United States, migrating, mob grazing. They were our only real megaphone, true ruminant. But we also had like, you know, today elk live in a few places we've reintroduced them to, like in Arkansas and Pennsylvania, but elk pretty much live in the Rocky Mountains you know, and a little bit of the West Coast and up into Canada. When this area was first settled by Europeans, there were elk in northern Florida, there were elk in Maine, and there was no place in between there weren't elk. There were elk in California and there were elk in Washington State. There were literally elk everywhere. So we had a natural state where all of this megafauna was going around browsing and grazing and ruminating. And if you're going to tell me that we are – environmentally better off now than we were then. I think there's something you fell and hit your head or something, or I don't know, maybe you used too much of vino and you've done brain damage. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I run, I bump heads with vegans quite a bit. Um, mostly just because of the meat based farming, but, uh, I'm sort of, I'm sort of hoping a couple of them come after Pharaoh just, just so I can get the free publicity. But, you know, I'm always amazed at the at the complete and utter hubris that people have around some of this stuff and, and absolute lack of understanding. Um, so I would point, you know, your listeners or anyone that wants to look it up. I mean, I love a, a lot of Jared Diamond's work, uh, Guns, Germs and Steel. He's got a couple of pre and post uh, first contact books. I think it's 1492 and 1493 or interesting books in terms of just understanding the, the, the U S and, um, but yeah, we've had, we've had far more, far more ruminant species and animals, uh, uh, living on our land. Um, I mean, to a, to a 10 X, a hundred X kind of magnitude, I forget the number of, uh, of beef and, and pork we have in the U S today in any one given moment, but it, it pales in comparison to, to, to the bison elk and deer alone that, that, uh, forget the beavers and all the other, yeah. uh, little creatures. Um, you know, humans, humans deserve the conquistador destroy bad rap, uh, obviously, cause we've, we've played a part in all that, but we also deserve the, the historic regenerative healing aspect. I, again, I, I default, uh, Joel Salatin has been a long time, uh, friend of mine. Uh, mentor and, and been very generous with his knowledge and time for me. And, you know, he always talks about these amazing gifts, these opposable thumbs that we've got. They, they, they're just as good for, for healing land as they are destroying it. And so, uh, animals absolutely 
are an integral part to a healthy ecology. Nowhere on the planet do we see an animal-less ecology that is thriving. And no. right. And so, and so no. now we've got this opportunity again through these technological advances that go un, unnoticed, um, to do immeasurable, uh, benefit. Uh, so I'll tell you a quick story. So I, I, uh, Will Harris down at White Oak Pastures, they're in Bluffton, Georgia. They're, they're as big. Oh, there's the website. That's cool. Yep. Uh, they're as big. White Oak is as big as you could get, I think being a regenerative farm and vertically integrated. They got their own on-farm processing, the whole nine yards. Um, Will had a had the group, uh, independent third-party uh, lab that did the uh, Beyond Burger, Beyond Meat um, studies a couple years ago where they made these claims that Beyond Burger was a carbon was a better carbon-neutral solution than, than grass-fed beef or than beef. And uh, Will had the same group come down and do a six-month study. And they, what they figured out, this is that you can find this online. What they figured out was that every pound of, of beef that Will Harris puts out into the consumer world, okay, is a net carbon sink, not emitter, a net carbon sink. What does that tell you? It tells you that there is a model that produces meat that sequesters that stores carbon out of the atmosphere. Okay. That is end of story. It, it, end of discussion. We have a model that works. And, and you know, I have a, I'm, I'm a little bitty farm in East Tennessee. I'm not nearly to the scale that a Will Harris or even a, a polyface Joel Salatin are. I mean, this is more of a hobbyist thing for me than anything. It's to feed my kids and a couple of neighbors. I'd love to scale it, but you're looking at the farmer, right? Anyway, point being, we have a model, okay, that produces healthy ecology, healthy food, right? Healthy environment and, and healthy, healthy farmer, you know, get outside, fresh air. For, I mean, I, that's why I love pigs is because I'm, I'm, I'm an omnivore too. You know, I need the sun and fresh air and fresh water and all that fun stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, I personally think that Alan Savory has it right when he says that most of the planet is not suitable to grow crops. Like if we take, okay, first of all, we're down to 25% land. Then we take out the poles. Like obviously we're not going to be farming in the South Pole or the North Pole in the severe Arctic. Okay, so that's all gone. Then you take, well, what's left? How arable is the land for farming grains and, and beans and stuff like that? And you end up with the vast majority of the planet, including the parts of the planet with the greatest regional history of conflict. Funny thing, when people don't have food, they kill each other. That's crazy, I know, but apparently it's a thing. And yet most of this land that is really not suitable to plow and put in straight lines will support uh, ruminants, grazing, and browsing animals and omnivores like pork. And then when you do it, the land becomes more fertile and more rich, and we don't clear all the trees. We have trees here and there. We have savanna mimic ecosystems are like the most productive terrestrial ecosystems we have. Then we recharge the groundwater. Rivers and streams run again. It sounds like a fiction, right? It sounds like some kind of sci-fi, like we can restore the environment by grazing animals and moving around in paddocks. That sounds like something that 
somebody wrote in the 1950s about, you know, like aliens came here and showed us the magic of the cow. But it's the truth. And all you have to do is play it in reverse. If you read some of the journals of early settlers that were cutting down trees in the, the northwestern United States for mine timbers, as they cut the trees, they watched the streams dry up. Now, that has to be like... That has to be otherworldly. That has to feel sci-fi if you're some, you know, mountain man in, in, in the 1800s out there every day with a crosscut saw in your buddy, sawing yourself into oblivion. And as you're doing this so people can pull silver out of the Montana mine, you're watching groundwater dry up. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you put what we took away and did it back, then it only stands to reason that those, those ecosystems would return. Well, uh, so yeah, you, you pointed out Alan Savory, and for the, your listeners that don't know, the work at the Savory Institute is unbelievable. I, you know, the irony is, okay, so you got most of the most of the arable land for agriculture in this country is not suitable for crops. The funny thing is, almost half of the crops we grow, the grain crops we grow in this country, are to feed cows, which don't even need grains to to thrive right they're a ruminant species they shouldn't have them should, right well they, you they, know it's there there's some interesting debate on that that's come yeah. to surface lately um i used to be completely anti-grain i'm 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 still pretty anti-grain uh just because it's an input you know it's an yeah. it's an added cost but um but listen i love pigs and pigs are omnivores and pigs do need grain yeah but you know If, if you took away 50% of the grain in this country that we grow to feed cows, okay? Yeah. And then if you yeah, took away... Yeah, to be away, clear, I'm saying ruminants should not be eating grain. Pigs? Sure. Pigs, oh, pigs yeah. and omnivore. Pigs live on nuts, seeds, mast crops, right? I don't think it should be fed exclusively that, but, but they make sense. A ruminant has a three-chambered stomach for a reason, and that's why if you try to feed a cow nothing but grain... You will kill it. They're grain finished. Almost all cows eat grass for a large portion of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is ironically why when you go to the supermarket, uh, for your, for your listeners that do this, supermarket beef versus what I serve my clients, it, it's different, but it's not it, all cows get, you know, again, 16 months worth of grass. Yeah. Pork, pork and chicken and turkey. Like compared to what you get in the store versus what is grown in a pasture model, it's, it's, they're almost completely different products. It is laughable. The difference in texture, taste, um, j- just overall quality, just because the, the life of a chicken or a pig, and for your listeners that don't know, your average everyday run of the mill pig in this country never sees the sun and grows up on concrete. An animal that God designed to root And, and metabolize vitamin D from the sun the same way we do grows up in, on concrete and never sees the sun. How stressed do you think that animal is? So you, you put them out on pasture, you give them plenty of sunshine and all of a sudden they're fats, uh, chock full of vitamin A, E, D, all the, all the good stuff that not only your skin craves, but our bodies crave. I mean, listen, I love bacon and I love healthy skin. So I get all of that wrapped up into, into this amazing creature that, um, yeah. and, and to your point earlier, and you can finish a pig in eight, you know, 10 months. Yep. Um, 
Yep. You know, a, a good grass finished, you know, cow uh, beef is going to take you two years doing it, do, hitting everything perfect. Yeah. Is two yeah. years. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting here, Green Country Agriforce, says we need fat calories in our diet, especially as we get older, carbs are for youngsters. I believe there's a tremendous amount of wisdom in indigenous societies, hunter-gatherer societies, and even if they don't know why, they know that. And they know it because they've observed for millennia upon millennia and passing down tradition. And if you watch indigenous societies, the ones that still exist when they go out and hunt, and they bring the animals back, the children are given... The, the lean protein. The elders are given the organ meats and fat. And then what's left over is given to women who are pregnant or nursing and the men of hunting age. And everybody else gets the lean meat. And to me, that tells you that they've identified that when you're out burning calories and chasing down, you know, mastodons that are trying to kill you. Uh, or when you're trying to nurse a baby or when you're old and elderly and you're, you're being kept around for the wisdom you impart because you can't do the work anymore, fat becomes more and more and more important. And if it wasn't the case, that's not what they would do. Right? That's like, like, like there's only one reason that you get that priority, that hierarchical priority there, because it's not like the, you know, the loin of a, of an elk doesn't taste incredibly good. It's not like it's only done for flavor. You, you, you see what I'm getting at, right? It's obviously being done because they've identified some nutritional component to it. Or you look at the Inuit who almost never get any sunlight on their skin, right? Cause it's cold as hell and they're bundled up and they have no problem with rickets or vitamin D deficiency. Well, they're living on freaking whale blubber and seal blubber, right? Which is where that fat soluble vitamin is stored. Like we have this tradition of deriving our nutrition from these products. And we've just kind of buried it. And we buried it under a, a host of propaganda for industrial seeds and grains. Jack, how lucky are we to live in a world where we get to choose, have all these choices between what we eat, what we put on our skin, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, yeah, I love looking at ancestral models. This is again back to the work of like the Weston A. Price Foundation. If you, if you don't know that story, this was a dentist. He was the co-founder of the American Dental Association. Mm-hmm. This is back in the early 1900s. And he's like, all of a sudden he's learning all of his, he's noticing all of his kids are coming in with crooked teeth and narrow jaws and all that. He goes around, studies all these indigenous tribes, no modern, no modern foods, no modern dentistry, nothing, perfect teeth. Perfect teeth, and they all ate organ meats. They got plenty of sunshine, you know, no processed sugars. All the, it's all the same stuff. Um, I love it. it. It's absolutely great. So, where do you plan to take your business, Pharaoh? Which is it, it's Pharaoh.life. People yep. were asking earlier about it. Where, what does your future plans look like? And tell us a little bit more about your product. We know it's lard based. Is it just lard, or I mean, what is your skincare line like? Sure. So we've just launched. So we have a what I call a total skincare bundle, and it's it's three products together. Uh, we have a skin food, a face food, and then I have a what I'm calling a skincare elixir. So that you can buy the three together. I think they work really well together, or you can obviously buy them uh, separately. There you go. And so uh, the skin food and the face food are different formulations uh, of a combination of three fats. Uh, lard, leaf lard, and beef tallow. So 
those three together along with honey and essential oils make the product. And the face food is designed again for the neck up, skin food for the neck down. And this is like little dab will do you, you know, put it in spots uh, where, where, you know, you've got irritation or dryness or cracks or whatever the case may be. The elixir is a CBD elixir. We grew all of the CBD on our farm uh, a couple years ago, regeneratively. And, um, you know, I, it, CBD's got a lot of different uh, applications. Uh, I I don't put it in my skincare because it doesn't absorb through the skin very well, and you don't get the benefits of CBD unless it actually gets into the receptors uh, in, internally. So we use it sublingually under the tongue. Uh, it reduces inflammation. It's a anti, um, antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, um, uh, uh, tons of, of uh, omega-3 in, uh, in hemp oils and hemp in general, but I've found that by reducing stress and anxiety and inflammation internally, that, that helps the skin, right? So it's just, it's just, um, it's another take on CBD and its benefits, which we don't need to go too deep down, uh, the hemp plant and all of its craziness with the legalities and this, that, and the other, it's a non-psychoactive. So it's just CBD MCT oil, and then we put a little uh, orange essential oil in there to give it some flavor, but very clean, not a lot there. Uh, but yeah, those are the three products, and uh, we've got I, I've got a, a discount code for your listeners. If you just uh, if, for those that are interested, uh, you can type survival into the uh, into your discount code. That'll save you twenty percent, and then we have a fifteen more percent savings for anybody that wants to get on a subscription. Again, we make this Give us stuff that discount fresh. code again. I'll put it up on the screen for people. What was that discount code? Yeah. Survival. Okay. There you go, guys. That was, that was, that was as creative as I could get. No, it's uh, good. People yeah, will remember. You know, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, set it up on a prescription, on a subscription based model. That's, that's where I'm trying to push through. You asked sort of where I want to go. I mean, I want to, uh, highlight the benefits of regenerative ag. Right. Regenerative agriculture, because you don't get the benefits of my creams without raising a healthy pig and a healthy, healthy beef. Right. Um, that's how they metabolize all the good stuff. Um, so I want to I want to do that. I want to provide a product that's, you know, gentle for kids. You know, I, again, the, the, the more kids we can get not not <laughs> dysregulating their their hormones at a young age, the better. It works great. Um, you know, again, back to the vanity piece. It just feeds the skin. I mean, reducing wrinkles and fine lines and all that and the dark spots. It's it's sort of a utility knife, uh, you know, Swiss Army knife for skincare is what I like to call it. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to. I We're trying to grow our business. We just launched in January. Uh, I, you know, for your you understand this. I'm a I'm a um, slightly right of center white male. So the algorithms don't like me very much. So I'm always excited to be able to talk regenerative ag and healthcare and all sorts of fun stuff with people like you and, and, uh, other, other podcasts, you know, non-traditional media, uh, the algorithms do not like me very much. And so I'm trying to spread the lard through, uh, through other, other means. Uh, but yeah, it, it, listen, I, Happy to be on here today. It's a, a, I'm, I'm in awe of what you've been able to do. I, I love your, your show and all the information that you put together. It's an absolute honor for me to be here. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate any and all of your listeners support. Uh, give it a try. I, I, you will not be disappointed. Uh, this stuff works, uh, unbelievably well for a whole host of stuff. I, 
I can't tell you if it heals or cures anything, but by God, uh, the Lord works in mis- mysterious ways, Jack. And I think, like you said, a little goes a long way. Like people need to like, don't compare this to a tub of Aveeno, right? Like, because you're talking about using for an application, like it says right on the thing, I was just reading it now, a pea-sized amount. So if you look at one of those relatively small containers, a lot of peas would fit in there. Correct. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I've said this from the very beginning, you know, I, I, again, I've worked with a bunch of different branding and marketing folks and trying to figure this out. And I'm like, listen, this stuff works. It works amazingly well. It's not a traditional skincare product. It's not going to go on the same way as your Avena or Clinique or anything. It's not, it's just not. But by God, if you just give me a minute and give me a chance, Faro is unbelievable for your skin. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on today and certainly hope your uh, listeners uh, enjoyed uh, our talk. And I, I'd be happy to come on and talk regenerative farming or yeah. uh, anything yeah. else anytime, man. I love what you do. Yeah, definitely get another guest form filled out and, uh, and, and come back on. Again, the discount code, folks, is survival. Uh, the website is pharaoh.life, and uh, it, it, I will have links to uh, all of his, his, not just the website, but the social media is limited as the use is because I, I did see that or thing, and I'm with you a lot of these larger um, social media platforms today. You just don't get any traction anymore. I've got, you know, 110,000 followers on Facebook, and I put something up and 13 people see it. So I've kind of not... I'm not spinning my wheels on that crap anymore, but uh, I will put the links that you send in anyway. And I appreciate you being with us again. The discount code survival. What's the discount you're offering on that? 20% off your first 20% purchase. 20% off. And, uh, and again, another 15% if you sign up for a subscription, whether that's monthly, bi-monthly, or quarterly. We'll, uh, and you can cancel anytime. So, uh, Lord help us all. And, you know, I, I hope people take away multiple things from this. One, we had a great discussion on the environmental impact of doing livestock right and how it's positive. We talked a little bit about regenerative farming. It would be great to have you come back on and just talk about that as a subject to itself. Um, but we're also, we talked about what this discussion was really on as a value-added product. And whether it's a skincare product, whether it's a um, some sort of a seasoning packet, whether it's an herbal tea. Like, I think that the future for regenerative farmers is going to be around things like value-added products or also around things like Salatin talks about with, like, fiefdoms, like having people come in and, like, having, like, I have my farm, and I'm taking care of pigs and chickens and cows. I'm freaking done. I'm not playing with bees if I have it. But maybe there's a beekeeper somewhere that I want to bring in, and then that's a whole new product set. Or taking something like you have this pork and you're doing this amazing processing, but you can only sell so much lard as lard. But now if we can package it into a skincare product, now we put an actual, you know, profitable margin on it so that the business can remain a going concern. And I think that a lot of young people that want to get into this, it's not just going out and growing food. It's growing food. It's marketing food. It's selling food and it's doing value add and it's becoming an astute business person. And there's a certain amount of hustle that has to go into this because otherwise you're competing with Tyson and Purdue. And you can't. You can't compete if you're going to be a pastured poultry producer, for instance. You're not going to compete with Tyson who can produce 100,000 chickens a month per half acre chicken house. You're not going to do it. And they're taking bucket loaders away of dead chickens every day, by the way. And just throwing them away or feeding them to pigs that are now going to get sick. 
And I'd like to point one more thing out before we wrap up when it comes to any t- sort of animal fat. I think it's incredibly important where you're sourcing an animal if you're relying on fat, whether it's for skin care or dietary intake. Our fat is where we store so many of the toxins that we sequester up in our body. And I think there's plenty of people out there that had the same experience I did. Like, you decided one day, hey, look at me in the mirror. I can say whatever I want about myself, but I'm freaking fat. And I got to do something about it. And they changed their diet. And if you go keto, paleo that way, the weight loss is stunning. And the transformation in your life is stunning. But the first three to four weeks, all kinds of weird shit happens. You break out in these, like, rashes. Like, you get, I got these boils. They were, like, pimples, but they were, like, little mini boils. And there's, like, usually when a pimple comes on, you know, like, oh, that's going to be a pimple there tomorrow. There's nothing. You wake up in the morning, there's this angry pustule thing. This is all those toxins dumping into your system as you're burning that fat. If you're eating CAFO beef, if you're eating Smithfield pork that's fed all this crap, in that fat is all the stored toxins that animal's eating, and you're consuming those toxins. And if you were to go fabricate your own, you know, uh, Smithfield lard skincare. You're putting those toxins into your skin. And I, I know that's hard for people to accept, but that's, that's biology. I might not be a biologist, but I know a little <laughs> bit about biology. And that, that's, that's biology that we do in fact store toxins. That's why you hear about the guy that, you know, popped a fat cell one day and had an LSD flashback because we bind these things up in our fat. And so do the, so do animals, especially an animal as analogous to humans in the biology as a pig. Pigs are actually really good analogs to humans. We use them for veterinary training. We use them for human medical training. We, we, use, we use pig valves for valve replacements in human hearts, right? So if it's bad for us, it's probably bad for them too. Well, and, and I'll add, <laughs> that, was a, that was a good last few minutes closer. I will add, um, you know, pigs metabolize vitamins exactly the same way humans do. And so, you know, adjacent to skincare or just general human health, you know, vitamins A, E, and D, those are, that's the trifecta of skincare vitamins, right? Pigs metabolize all three of those the same way we do. So, you know, the pigs should be raised like humans out and about, plenty of sunshine, fresh water, fresh air, all the fun stuff. It's, um, man, it's been a real, it's been a really fun time, uh, to, to talk to you today, Jack. Well, again, man, I really enjoyed this. I happily tell you, fill out. We have the guest form back up. We just put it back up. Anybody out there wants to be on the air, fill it out completely, or we will throw away your application. Uh, make sure you do fill it out completely. That's how we assess you. Love to have you back on again, Charles. Uh, anybody else, love to have you on. And thanks to all who are in the live feed today. Remember, guys, Life. Discount code survival, 20% off the entire line of products there. And, Charles, thank you for being with us today. And thanks to everybody again that tuned in. Thanks, Jack. Great discussion, and I really do hope Charles fills out another guest form application. I'd love to just dig into regenerative farming and specifically the role that, that, that pigs play in that with him, along with chickens and other things, because I think this is the future of the food system. Uh, food being grown by farmers that you know right here in America – And uh, local production, local processing, local delivery. I think that's the only way we're going to get out of this mess that we've created for ourselves. Uh, so I do hope to hear from him soon about that. With that, if you like the show and the work that we do, remember there are ways you can help support the show. And one of those 
is doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z. tspaz.com. You do that. You help support us no matter what you buy. Our item of the day today is one I finally got to bring back around because it's been out of stock. These are Avid Armor vacuum sealer bags. You know, you, you get all that great meat, you know, that you produce yourself or you buy local and, and all the other stuff from your garden and all that you're going to put in the freezer. If you don't vacuum seal it, it doesn't have a very long life in the freezer before it becomes, you know, freezer burned and not so delicious anymore. And it puts you into a conundrum. At least it has me over the years. I have the option of buying cheap vacuum seal bags and they suck. Or buying expensive vacuum seal bags, and they may or may not suck, but they're expensive. With Avid Armor, what I found was not cheap, but very affordable and the best quality vacuum seal bags that I have put my hands on. Again, they're called Avid Armor, A-V-I-D-A-R-M-O-R, Avid Armor Vacuum Sealer Bags. You can see my write-up and my recommendations to go along with them at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Just scroll down below today's episode or go to tspaz.com. You can see all my latest reviews and all my reviews of every product I've ever reviewed uh, in categories, and the categories are alphabetic, so you can find things like kitchen tools, like this would fall under, or food storage or electronics and all types of stuff that I've reviewed. And remember, if it's at tspaz, I own it, I bought it, I would buy it again, or I wouldn't recommend that you spend $1 on it. My buddy David one time said when he comes over here, it's like a T-Spaz catalog in the house. And I really wouldn't have it any other way. There's a ton of stuff I could throw on T-Spaz and sell. There really is. A ton of stuff. When I think about my market and my audience. But if I haven't touched it, I don't recommend it. That's just the way that we roll here. The other thing you can do to help support this show, become a member. Go to the survivalpodcast.com. Click on Members to learn more. Get the discounts that we offer, and it will more than cover your membership. Again, the survivalpodcast.com. Click on Members to learn more. If you notice that today we did a live stream, and you're like, hey, man, I want to get on this live stream thing and actually maybe be in a live stream, uh, just go to tspclive.com. That's a little short URL we have. And you'll either see the last one we just did or the next one coming up and all the details, all the streams where you can watch us. Remember, you can watch us on Twitch if you don't want YouTube and you want something with good interaction. Uh, I see all the comments that come in on Twitch, and I need more followers on Twitch. So check Twitch out. We're also on, uh, again, uh, the usual suspects. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook with the streaming because it's clicking a button to do it. But we're also on Rumble. We're on Odyssey, and we're back on Float because they got all of that working again for us. So with that, hope you guys enjoyed us. Do check us out on a live sometime. Best way to make sure you never miss what's going on, get on the TSPC Telegram group. You can learn that on the Get Social tab on the website. and uh, Or get on the email list. That way at least you'll get emails on a daily basis with all the new stuff in the Daily Mail. They gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.